welcome to the Health Tech Podcast. Here we talk about everything healthcare and technology, and I'm your host, James Somaru. This week, I am joined by Dr. Edmund Farah, and he is the co-founder of digital health startup, Otto. So Ed spent six years as an RAF doctor, and during that time, he realized the scale of the problem of tinnitus, which is a debilitating condition affecting one in eight people. That led him to go and found Otto, which is a digital therapeutics company, and they allow anybody to instantly access affordable tinnitus treatment. So Ed, welcome to the Health Tech Podcast. How are you doing? James, thank you for having me. It's great to be here. And full disclosure, I've uh, just joined your advisory board, haven't I? So uh, exciting yeah, times. Absolutely. Very exciting. Yeah, it's great to, have, great to have you on board. I'm sure we'll talk about um, advising and how to find a, a semi-decent advisor, although nothing's proven yet. So, like, we'll yeah. see. Although you are yeah, here, we'll, here's we'll, a bit of value already, Ed, honestly. Yeah, pressure's on. <laughs> um, cool, mate. So uh, whereabouts are you speaking to us from today, first of all? Uh, I'm from my. I'm speaking to you from my flat in West London, Fulham. Ah, oh, look, Fulham, very nice, very nice. Mm, expensive, um, expensive indeed. Yeah. Have you bought it or are you renting? Oh, God, no, no. I wish I could. <laughs> no, I'm just renting. One for maybe when you exit Otto, right? Well, well yeah. Fingers crossed. Fingers crossed. <laughs> um, cool, mate. So the way that we start these podcasts, as you know, as you listen to a few, um, we get you to tell your story. So um, obviously, there's there's loads of bits in your background, from the military to medicine to digital health companies. So uh, by all means, mate, why don't you tell us a bit of your story? Yeah, thanks for having me, James. It's great to be here. So I joined the Air Force in my final year of medical school. Uh, I'm a medical doctor. I graduated in 2015. And I sort of, I suppose I had the idea of, of, of joining the military, seeing the world. Uh, the initial plan was to train to be a plastic surgeon. So I did my foundation years in Birmingham and did surgical rotations. And I did a plastic surgery rotation F2. And I thought, God, this is, this is great fun. So um, I love the operating. I love the, 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 the style of operating that, it, that, it, that the plastic surgery is. So I thought, okay, I'm going to do plastic surgery. So it was at that point that I spent uh, a year out with doing, doing just military stuff. Um, I went to IF Cranwell, did my officer training. And then I was deployed to a, uh, to, 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 to RAF Cosford, which is a, which is an engineering base uh, near Wolverhampton. And it was during this time that two things happened. Um, firstly, I noticed I had a very, very faint ringing in my ear. Um, and I'm sure many people have, if, you know, if you go to a nightclub and wake up the next morning and you've, you've been stood too near the speakers or something, they have that ringing in their, in their ear. And I noticed I had this ring in their ear and I thought, oh, that's funny. It wasn't really bothering me too much. And I thought nothing of it. And sort of, so, so, so that happened. It went away. It came and came and went. I didn't really think too much of it. And then I started to see men and women in the military that were also having this problem, but on a much worse scale. And the thing that struck me the most was how miserable it was making their lives. You know, um, this ringing in their ears, not only was it not improving, um, it was getting worse. It was stopping them from sleeping. It was stopping them from concentrating. And that's when I sort of had the first idea that this thing, this ringing or tinnitus, as we call it, was a problem. So after seeing these people, I spent my year at RAF Cosford. Uh, that was that was good fun. I did loads of fun stuff with the military, mainly skiing, actually. Um, <laughs> and then went on to start core surgical training uh, uh, in London. And 
it was I spent so it wasn't quite as I remembered it from from F2 and it was good I still enjoyed the operating but my first rotation was vascular surgery I think and it it just wasn't what I remembered it being I just didn't enjoy it as much as I did before so I went on to core to my second year of core training um uh, doing, doing just a year of plastics and I thought okay this is this is I'm going to do this year and if it isn't as good as I remembered it to be if, if I don't enjoy it as I thought I would then I'm going to try and do something else. So I went and did plastics. I really enjoyed the operating, but I'm sure many people that are listening will relate to this. Working in the NHS can be a very, very frustrating experience. It's also, you know, of course, the patient interaction is incredibly rewarding. Uh, and I still find that rewarding. Um, even when I'm doing local work now, I still find that interaction rewarding. But it was sort of like that was diminishing. But the the frustrations that I had working in the, in the, in the, in the UK healthcare system, the NHS were, were, were actually getting worse. And, and this is, I thought to myself, is this something I can do for the rest of my life? Can I put up with this for the rest of my life? Is it worth it for me? And it was during this time that I got chatting to one of my, one of my good friends from medical school, George Leidig. Uh, George is a doctor in the Navy and also a hobbyist programmer. And he started seeing, he was, uh, based an air base, Yeovil, uh, uh, Yeovilton at the time. And he was seeing lots of uh, airmen and women that also had tinnitus. And he mentioned it to me and he said, mm, that's funny. I remember George had tinnitus at, at medical school. And we got together. I remember we, 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 met in a, we met in a pub and we were just talking about some of the, some of the patients we'd seen. And I thought, mm, that's funny. Because I remember when I, was at, when I was at Cosford, I was seeing these, these guys as well. And this was, this was something that was, that was problematic. So we looked into it and we found tinnitus is something that we know has a huge impact on people's lives, but there's also no cure. If you want to access treatment for tinnitus, you have to wait for maybe five, six months, perhaps even a year to see a therapist. And if you want to pay for therapy, pay for therapy privately, you may be paying upwards of 100 pounds per session, which is of course, uh, not realistic for, for many people. So we thought, okay, we've got this big problem. It's very difficult for people to access treatment for this, for this problem, this condition that's making their lives miserable. What can we do? How can we use our skills that we've learned in the military uh, and as doctors? How can we use these skills to, to do something big? And that's when I realized, okay, I've got an opportunity to do something here to not only improves the lives of perhaps millions of people, but also um, take a new direction in my career. And that's when George and I decided to, to, to take the leap and, and do it. So uh, I finished core surgical training. I left the Air Force and started Otto, got together with um, an ENT surgeon, Jamil Mzaffer. Um, he's an he's a academic ENT surgeon working in Birmingham. We got together with Lily, who's a uh, I'll, we'll come on to Lily's involvement later, uh, but Lily's a, a trained actor. Uh, and Anna Pugh, who is a, a, a very, very experienced hearing therapist. And the five of us thought, okay, we can, we can build a solution, a therapy solution, a treatment solution for tinnitus. Um, so that's, that's, where, that's where we are now. We, we founded Otto a year ago, uh, around a year ago. Um, we launched the product in December. Um, and it's been it's been going really well. There's been a lot of ups and downs, a lot of struggles along the way, but um, you know it's been it's been great fun. And yeah, here here we are, I suppose. 
Well, welcome to life in the startup game, mate. Absolutely. Mm. So the first question that I've got for you is you mentioned when you started Otto developing or using, sorry, the skills that you'd acquired as both a doctor and in the military. One thing I know that our audience often are fascinated by based on the feedback we get is how people acquire the skills and the confidence to then launch their own business and I suppose become an entrepreneur. What skills did you develop in both of those places or what, what do you think you learned that was important in both of those places in clinical medicine and in the military that sort of gave you the knowledge, the experience, the skills to then apply to your own business? Yeah, I think there's a, that's a really good question, James. I think there's a, there's a number of things, but I'm going to focus on two. The first is communication. So the medical school I went to, Hollywood Medical School, uh, was uh, problem-based learning, very, very focused on the communication skills aspects. I think from week one, we had, we had communication skills. And as a doctor, uh, and to, to, to a certain extent, any healthcare professional, really, communication is, we all know how critical communication skills are being able to understand someone else's problems and being able to and being able to communicate your point of view and communicate that. And when you when you apply that to entrepreneurship, building a solution for a problem that you think exists or you you suspect exists, that that skill is really, really uh, transferable. So let me give you an example. When I first started speaking to people with tinnitus with the idea of Otto in mind, I use the skills I learned as a doctor to better understand the problem. So information, basically information gathering. And you'd, you know, you'd almost take a, not take a history, but, but ask the patient about the problem and how it affects them in the same way you might take a history when you see the patient in, in, in a GP practice or an A&E, for example. And then there's the other side of that, being able to explain your solution to them. So once we'd, spoke, we'd, sp- we'd spent this time speaking to these guys, um, and understanding their pain points and, and, and the problems that they had. We then had to explain how our product could help them. And um, it's one of the first things you learn in communication skills. I'm sure you remember this as well, but you know, don't use complex medical jargon to try and explain things to patients. And that's something that, that I've found so useful when, you know, just even when it comes to marketing, when it comes to the language we use in the product, these people, they know what tinnitus is, but apart from that, um, their understanding of perhaps why what, what why it happened, what caused it, um, the treatment that can be used. It has to be the most simple terms because people don't understand it. And if people don't understand it, they're not going to pay for it. So communication skills is the first thing. Uh, perhaps more related to my the, the, my time in the military is, is leadership uh, or the, the, the leadership skills that I learned. So I mentioned I went to, to, to RAF Cranwell to do officer training. I spent three months there and probably two thirds of that time, um, the first sort of third was militarization, but probably two thirds of that time was spent on, on leadership training. Now in the military, uh, there is a certain type of leadership that, um, that, is, that is taught. And I'm sure you can understand a, a battlefield or a military situation is different to many other leadership situations you might encounter. But again, there's transferable skills and that is something that is so, so important when, 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 when founding a startup, when, um, when, you know, when George and I running this, running this company and, and when we grow this company as well, and I'm sure that George and I will be able to use those skills we've learned in the military and apply that to 
this going forward and how to how to grow how to create a culture and how to how to lead a team uh going forward that's awesome man and the next thing then that leads on from that you've mentioned communication you've mentioned leadership you've you've certainly framed it in terms of discovering and learning more about the problem being able to communicate your solution i think there's another bit there as well which is building a team now you mentioned those individuals lily anna george uh jameer lots of different people that you've put together there can you talk me through doing that from through the lens of being an early stage company not having much money around not you know how how do you do those deals how do you get those people on board how do you then how did you put a team of five people together selling a dream essentially talk me through that mm. so i suppose it, it, if i take you back to when george and i were first exploring this idea and we were looking into different things we we knew we wanted to we knew we wanted to do something related to hearing probably tinnitus uh, but we knew we didn't have the, we knew there were gaps in our knowledge, in our experience. And that first gap was the clinical expertise that we knew we'd need. So uh, one of the things that's actually very relevant for tinnitus and perhaps hearing loss as well, is that, and I'm sure you'd be able to relate to this as well, James, is that when you're at medical school, I think you probably spend an hour looking at hearing stuff. It will never come up in, well, it certainly never came up in our, in our exams. It never came up in the OSCEs or anything. And um, tinnitus was just something that we knew existed, but we didn't really know anything about it. And uh, George and I knew very little about tinnitus except what we'd researched and what we'd, what, we'd, what, we'd, what we'd read in speaking to these people already. So we knew that there was that gap that needed to be plugged. So I suppose from, from that perspective, we, we assessed what skills do we have that we can use going forward, but what skills are we lacking? What do we need? And that's what's essential in a, in a founding team. So that's sort of where Jamil came along. Uh, we got we we worked with Jamil already on a on a research project. Um, I think we were trying to we were trying to predict hearing loss actually using machine learning, which, which is a story for another day. Um, so we got we got chatting to we got we, we we sort of we knew Jamil already from that. And Jamil actually understood the problem very well because he was doing some research with uh, the military at the time. And uh, we we just sort of we. We'd known because we'd worked with Jamil already that he was he was a good fit for the company. And then we thought, okay, so we've got the, the sort of that clinical expertise. We now need the therapeutic expertise of someone that actually has experience of delivering tinnitus therapy. Um, and so we sort of, we, we, we looked online uh, for, for tinnitus therapists. I started adding people on LinkedIn and speaking to people. Uh, and Anna actually contacted me and said, look, I've seen what you're doing. I really like the idea of it. Um, you know, is there any way I could get involved? Um, so we, we sort of had a meeting with Anna, um, and we thought it just, just clicked instantly. We knew Anna was the person that would be able to, um, to create the underlying therapy for us. So we're, we're sort of at this point, we've got four of us, we've got four clinicians and we almost instantly fell into the trap of building a product that we would use or we would give to our patients, not a product that our patients would, would benefit from. And I think that's a mistake that it's very easy for clinicians to fall into or a trap that it's very easy for clinicians to fall into. Um, build something that you think you would give to your patients instead of something that your patients would actually actually benefit from because you've, you've spent your whole time, your whole sort of career as a, as, a, as a clinician saying, this is what's best for you as a patient. 
um, this is my advice. You should do this. You should do that. Blah blah blah. Bit of a bit of a, a surgical model, but um, having you know that's that's sort of that's sort realistic. Of yeah, it's it's exactly, a mindset yeah. thing. Exactly, and we had to sort of change that mindset. And um, in changing that mindset, we had to add some creativity in, and we had to add someone that perhaps didn't look things from that clinical didn't look at things from that clinical perspective. And it was also at this time that we decided, okay, this digital therapeutic is going to be audio based. Um, and I'll talk a bit about the product in a minute. But this therapeutic is going to be something that uh, we deliver the therapy via audio. And um, neither of us, none of us, none of the four of us had had a nice voice with which to with which to deliver this. Um, so we thought, okay, we need someone that a um, has experience with with audio recording. Um, and I think that's when we approached Lily initially. George was uh, Lily was someone that George has George has known for some time. I think they went um, they know each other from school. And we asked Lily to do some recordings and Lily actually, uh, I think I'd written the, the therapy sessions and Lily actually commented on the therapy and said, okay, this is, this is good, but she'd made a whole list of suggestions about how it could be improved and how we could improve the language and things. And uh, so we got chatting to Lily. Turns out Lily has a, a background. Uh, she, 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 she trained in English at Cambridge um, and she's a trained actor. So it suddenly clicked. And we thought, okay, we can use, or Lily can use her creative experience to bring what we've created, to bring Anna's therapy into life and then record it. And that was sort of the final piece of the puzzle, really. So we, I suppose we were lucky in that, that the people we, the people that we approached early on actually were, were a very good fit. But uh, in hindsight, you know, it was all about, um, we did small things together. We, we, we did a small project together before we, before we actually, you know, fully committed and made the decision whether this person was right. Um, but you know the five of us together now um, is is it works very well and we have all bases covered I think. Love it. Let's talk about the problem and the solution then. So you've mentioned tinnitus. You've mentioned it being a problem. As you quite quite rightly point out, <laughs> I've got absolutely no knowledge of it from medical school. Like absolutely none. I remember, you know, we were on a clubhouse quite recently and I asked a really stupid question, which was like, what is it? Where's it from? Like, does it, does it originate in the brain, in the ear? Like, I, I literally couldn't remember at all. And fair enough, I've not been in the game for a few years now and medical school is getting increasingly further away. <laughs> but, mm. but still, like, I, I couldn't really tell you what tinnitus is, how big of a problem it is, how many people suffer from it. So I imagine you've done that work, mate. So uh, why don't you tell us? So tinnitus is a condition that uh, is usually experienced as a ringing or whooshing sound or rushing in the ears. And it can have a whole number of causes. Um, and we usually split these into reversible or non-reversible causes. And it's the non-reversible causes that cause people problems. So reversible causes may be something like earwax uh, or an infection in the ear. And usually those things will, will resolve if you treat the underlying cause. But if it's something like uh, and these are the common, more common causes of long-term tinnitus or chronic tinnitus. If it's something like uh, hearing damage or tinnitus related to age-related hearing loss, that's when tinnitus isn't. That's when tinnitus isn't something that's reversible, and that's when um, tinnitus becomes incurable. I.e., it's not just with you for the rest of the week or the month, but it's with you for the rest of your life, and that's the type of tinnitus that causes people problems. So we know that around 5% of people suffer from intrusive tinnitus. That is their quality of life is significantly impacted. 
And that number is supported by the fact that there's around a million GP appointments per year with tinnitus as a primary complaint in the UK alone. And that, if I just go back to the point about tinnitus not being something we really learned about at medical school, that to me seems completely crazy because it's something that one in eight people experience, 5% of people experience wow. it badly. And, you know, there's all this, uh, there's, 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 you know, millions of people seeing, seeing, seeing GP, seeing the GP about it. And the GPs don't know how to manage it because they've not, well, that's unfair. Many GPs don't know how to manage it because they've not been taught about it. Mm-hmm. So how do we manage tinnitus? What's the, what's the solution? Um, how can we, how can we cope with it? So I mentioned there's no cure, but effective treatment does exist in the form of cognitive behavioral therapy. Uh, now, cognitive behavioral therapy, I'm sure many, many listeners will, will know, is a type of psychological therapy. And the way it works for tinnitus is it trains your brain to reapproach or, or to, 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 re, uh, to, re, to readjust the way it approaches or reacts to the tinnitus. And that's what we call habituation. So when someone is habituated to their tinnitus, the tinnitus is there, they can still hear it, but they no longer notice it and they're no longer really distressed by the sound of it. Um, so if I talk about my personal experience of tinnitus, so I mentioned I occasionally had ringing, some mild ringing in the ears um, a couple of years ago. It's actually gradually got worse over the last few years. Um, it still doesn't cause me uh, a, a huge number of problems, thankfully, because it's not that loud. Um, but when I do notice it, it's not particularly pleasant. And that's a particular problem when there's not much noise, not much other noise going on. So, for example, if I'm trying to concentrate or if I'm trying to sleep at night. So, yeah, so to access this, this type of therapy, cognitive behavioral therapy is, is very difficult. And we're after something called habituation. Um, I'll just quickly describe a metaphor that will help people understand what habituation is. So if you imagine being in a long car journey, perhaps five or six hours in a small car, maybe an old car. And um, if you think at the start of this journey, the sounds of the car, especially if you're on a motorway, the sounds of the car are very loud. So the wind going past, uh, the wind rushing past the car, the tires on the road. That's not a pleasant sound to listen to. But, you know, after a couple of hours, perhaps after even an hour, you've just stopped noticing the sound. And that's what happens with habituation with tinnitus. And that's what the aim of CBT is. So CBT has been conclusively shown to be effective in tinnitus. It doesn't get rid of it. It's not a cure. But we know it's effective in reducing the impact of tinnitus on people's lives. CBT is been shown to be the, the main treatment that's effective, but there's also other treatments such as uh, mindfulness or targeted mindfulness therapy, uh, relaxation therapy um, that, can, that, can, that, can, that can have benefit as well. So that I suppose leads nicely onto our solution. So with Otto, we're bringing all these evidence-based therapies together and we're making them available to people in a digital therapeutic, which is accessible through a mobile app. So users pay the monthly or yearly for a premium subscription to access this therapy and they'll work their way through a series of progressive modules, uh, a spiral curriculum, if you like, that work on uh, concepts introduced in, in the initial one, in the initial module. So how does it work? Well, each day users will go through a five to 10 minute therapy session that will take them through a exercise, whether that be a cognitive exercise, a CBT exercise, or a mindfulness exercise, a meditation, or perhaps a relaxation. And in doing these each day, the user will learn skills that they can they can use to get to habituation faster. 
And when they've reached habituation, they can use to prevent tinnitus from becoming a problem again. So at the moment, there's obviously lots of digital therapeutics knocking around and many, many more like popping up all the time for lots of different conditions, whether it's sleep, whether it's inflammatory bowel, whether it's um, well, there's chronic pain, you know, lots and lots, lots of different things. Why, why do you think having built one now, why do you think digital therapeutics are useful? Why are they popular? Why are they increasing in popularity? Are they truly solving problems out there for patients? Yeah, so you're completely right. We've seen an influx of these digital therapeutics, these digital solutions um, over the last few years. And I think this is because a number of reasons. Firstly, if you take a condition like tinnitus, for example, you've got this condition that affects one in eight people. That equates to around 400 million people worldwide um, with intrusive tinnitus. But you've only got a very small number of people that are actually qualified to deliver the therapy. So in the UK, I think there's there's 3,000, perhaps uh, I think there's three or 4,000 audiologists and one in eight, one in eight people, 5% of people have, have intrusive tinnitus. So you've got a big disconnect there between the amount of people that are qualified to give the therapy and the amount of people that actually need the therapy. And what digital therapeutics do is they bridge that gap um, and they enable people that might not have been able to see a therapist or, um, or, or pay for a therapist immediately and enable those people to, to get, um, it, of course, it's not, going to be the, it's not going to be the same as seeing a therapist, but they enable people to get large, large amounts or, of, or, or many of the aspects that are similar of that therapy. And CBT is something that is really, really, um, is really amenable to, to, to a digital therapeutic. And it's been done in many different ways. For example, we've seen chatbots, CBT chatbots. Um, we've seen uh, telemedicine-assisted CBT. Um, we've seen, of course, CBT in the way that we deliver it, which is which is via audio audio sessions. So yeah, I think it's it's largely it solves that problem. It's a scalable solution that solves the problem of the disconnect between the number of people that have the condition and the number of people that are qualified mm. to give to give that. And I think just going on from that as well, I think where digital therapeutics are really going to um, go from strength to strength is in um, actually in, in 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 countries or in areas whereby people just aren't able to afford or with less developed healthcare systems whereby there isn't anyone that anyone can afford who can who can who would be able to offer that therapy so if you look at um if you look at some 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 places in the, in the developed world where perhaps the hearing protection isn't as good for for industry workers you know these guys aren't going to be able to afford these guys certainly aren't going to be able to afford face-to-face therapy um, and face to, if, if face-to-face therapy is even available. And a digital therapeutic puts that therapy onto a smartphone that a large proportion of this pop, that, that, that these people will have and have available to them. And that's something that we, we're, we think is possible for Otto. I mentioned that 400 million people with tinnitus. I want Otto to be available um, and affordable to every single one of those people. And that's sort of our, our, the solution we're... we're, we're we're offering or the, the problem we're trying to solve is the, the access to therapy for these people. Um, and, you know, our mission is to provide instantly accessible tinnitus treatment to anyone that, to anyone that needs it. 
Can you talk me through the, the product? Because you mentioned something there that was interesting to me. There was a decision made, clearly. Telemedicine assisted was one option. Chatbot was another option. And you've gone for app plus audio. So can you talk me through the patient journey or the user journey through Otto and weave in why you made that decision? Yeah, um, really interesting question. So I suppose a lot of this boils down to the conversations we had very early on with uh, our target user. And we discovered initially that um, tinnitus affects people of all ages, but there's more people with tinnitus that are in the older ages group. So we had to be something to cater to people that were mainly 45 and older. And this was something that, that was at the forefront of our minds when the first decision we made was, do we go for chatbot or do we go for audio, audio therapy? And there were sort of two key things that helped us to enable that decision. Um, first, as I mentioned, the age, which type of therapy or which type of delivery would be more suited to people aged 45 and older. And when we spoke to these people and we asked them about chatbot, I think it, it, it very quickly became apparent that they didn't want to be sit, um, they didn't want to be sat there talking on a talking, you know, talking to a talking to a chatbot. Even if we could pull it off, which would be technologically a lot more work and a lot harder for a lot harder for us, and a lot more investment, um, it would be difficult to do well. So we thought we could do audio delivered therapy a lot better and a lot more efficiently. Um, and for a lot cheaper than than a, than a chatbot, um, and it would also be more suited to our target audience. And when it comes on to telemedicine, uh, telemedicine assisted, we wanted to build something that was immediately deployable and immediately scalable. Now, to begin with, we could have gone down the telemedicine route, and we could have said, "Okay, we can you can book an appointment with a, with a therapist in app." But you're going to come back to the same problem in that there's not enough therapists to speak to people. With, with tinnitus um, and even if there were it would be a huge it would slow us down considerably because we'd have to ensure that there was enough therapy we had enough therapists on hand to be able to deliver this so you know once we have built well we, we have built Otto but once we're further down the line with the product and we're ready to to scale um, to, to non-English speaking countries you know the main hurdle is going to be purely translating it um, which isn't, you know, if you think about it, isn't actually a very big hurdle. So we've got something now that once it's translated and once we've got a better understanding of the, of the international markets and non-English speaking markets, we can push straight out there. And actually, we already have customers in uh, non-English speaking, non-English speaking wow. countries. I assume they, they must speak English to be able to use the app. Um, but, you know, we've, we've built something that already people are using all over the world and is already scalable. So I think I think does that does that does that help answer the question about yeah, the telemedicine, telemedicine part? And talk me through and talk me through the, the the user journey through the app then. So what does the what does the patient look, see, feel as they go through? Mm. So they we've found usually that the, the majority of our people are actually searching for it either on Google or on the App Store. So they'll download the app. The first thing they'll be prompted to do is log in. One of the early bits of feedback we had was that people didn't like filling it with Nowadays, when you download an app, and particularly a healthcare app, um, people are, you're asked, you know, a thousand questions before you can <laughs> even use the app. Yeah. And all these people, particularly with tinnitus, people just want relief. They just want to go onto something yeah. that's going to help them quickly. So we've reduced all of that. We've taken away all those questions. 
all you have to do is log in using either Apple or, or Google, one tap, uh, and you, you, know, you, you accept the safety notice and you're in. So the next step is then to start the therapy. So as I mentioned, the therapy is split into a series of progressive modules that incorporate these, these therapeutic techniques based on CBT, but also mindfulness and relaxation therapy. Um, they'll go through the way through these, these, these four modules with a five to 10 minute audio session each day. And these four modules, these four initial modules that we have, or the core therapy as we call it, uh, will last around a month if they do one per day. Once they've gone through that, they should have the underpinnings of what they need to do to be able to manage and control their tinnitus. They, have, they should have learned everything they need to learn, um, the CBT techniques, the mindfulness techniques. And then they can come back to use the app to continue to do an additional mindfulness pack, for example, um, a relaxation pack, or they can do the exercises in isolation. So let's suppose, you know, you wake up one morning and your tinnitus is, is this happens, by the way, um, they wake up and their tinnitus is bad. And it's actually where CBT is very helpful. So because their tinnitus is bad, when they've woken up, they think, oh, God, my tinnitus is, is, is so loud today. I'm going to have a terrible day. And that's when we're trying to sort of get into people's heads and say, OK, well, yes, your tinnitus is bad, but let's go back and to Otto. Let's do an exercise uh, and let's reframe and change the way they think about things. And yeah, the tinnitus might be bad, but that doesn't necessarily mean they have to have a bad day. And hopefully with some relaxation exercises, we can reduce the intrusion of the tinnitus. So, you know, we're building a product that, uh, that we hope is, is habit forming, um, that we hope can people can use whatever stage they're at of their tinnitus journey, whether it be they're having a spike or whether they've just been diagnosed with, with tinnitus. Nice. And that leads me on to, I suppose, the business model, because... In terms of being able to sell this to people, you can obviously go down the route of selling to people, B2C. You could think about the NHS and figuring out how can I get economies of scale? Could I go through audiology clinics? I suppose you could do that privately or the NHS. There's lots of different decisions that can be made here in terms of business model. What have you chosen and why? Uh, so the honest answer to that, James, is we haven't, fully decided <laughs> uh, we started with a b2c model direct consumer and the reason we chose that initially was because we thought that would be the fastest way to building a product that people love and if it's good enough for people to pay for you know we know that the product the product is good enough so we focused on b2c for sort of the first six months uh, and we've used all the sort of the relevant metrics associated with that to ensure you know conversion rate churn and things to learn and to better understand how we can how we can build a product that, that that people can't do without, and you know we're still halfway on that journey. We haven't reached the point where you know the numbers are looking good, but we've still not reached the point that we're happy with where this is a product that is that is that is really sticky and that and that people love to use. So we focused on BTC to begin with, but we've now got to the point where we have a product in the market, we have a product that people are paying for. And that has excellent feedback. It's not quite where we want it to be. We've still got work to do, but that lends itself to us exploring different opportunities and different business models. Um, and so I suppose it's, it, that's, that's a decision that we're going to need to make over the next six months about where to go. But there's a whole different number of different avenues we can explore. Um, for example, do we sell this to audiologists? Do we create an enterprise product? Or do we just go down the partnerships route? Do we sell this, as you say, do we sell this into the NHS? Um, 
and that's going to be actually a key piece uh, that will largely depend on the research that we do over the next year. We've got a whole number of, of studies planned um, to, to evaluate the efficacy of the app. At the moment, we only have, um, we, we, we've, 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 up, up until now, we've had qualitative, qualitative data, um, but we're looking to, we're making very good progress with some quantitative data as well to understand the efficacy. Um, and it shouldn't be too long before we have some of that. So I think that will largely sort of decide on, on, on where we focus on. But I suppose it all, it all boils down to the question of who is going to be easier to sell to, the person that has tinnitus or the organisation that provides their care? And the answer to that is I'm not sure yet, but it's uh, because we're still early, we need, to, we need to better understand that. Yeah, it's interesting the way you, you phrase that actually and frame that in that everything's in play. But at the end of the day, right now, and I hadn't really thought about this before, if you want to iterate your product as quickly as possible, the best feedback that you can get is are people using it? Are people buying it? How are they using it? How much are they buying it for? And actually, I think that's a really good way of framing it. I suppose for other people listening that are thinking about their business model, if you do want, well, even if you're struggling to get feedback, you know, getting someone to, to get jump on the phone with you or write down exactly what they thought of it and why so that you can iterate is one thing, but just assessing whether 10 more people will buy it and use it is, is a quick way to find out uh, the other thing, which is literally what you want to know, right? So I think that's a, a really good point that, and, and a good way of using the B2C model because you're in the business of solving an, a problem immediately for people. And it might be people that have tried everything that I suppose have got to this point where they will now try anything. And so it's interesting, you know, you're with decent marketing, you're always going to get the downloads. It's whether or not they're daily active. It's whether or not they are advocates whether their net promoter score is extremely positive and therefore they're asking other people and i suppose that's that's a good point about evidence as well and where digital therapeutics are quite strong in the the evidence generation part of a digital therapeutic compared to a drug or or something similar is probably a lot easier right because you've got them all there digitally that you can just collect from them um with their consent, obviously, and all the rest of it. Um, again, it's a conversation for another day. But the point is, you know, I remember I remember chatting to, to Peter Haynes from Sleepio and, you know, he said that they got to a point, this was a while ago, I spoke to him on this podcast, but he, he they got to a point where they had more evidence than the next three insomnia drugs combined being mm. a digital therapeutic mm. because they, they literally just lent into that evidence bit so heavily mm. that they ended up just landing so much of it that they could prove so much of what they did so much efficacy of, mm -hmm. of everything mm -hmm. that that put them in a really strong position is that evidence gathering important for you guys right now is it something that you're also focused on oh it's, it's critical yeah it's 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 mission critical for us our, our moat is the evidence the good quality evidence that we can amongst other things but our moat is our key moat is the good evidence that we can we can we can generate um and you know we've made some really good early progress with with some of the some of the some of the some of the data collection we're hoping that within six weeks we'll have some we'll have some preliminary efficacy data but we've got a whole number of studies planned with different partners in different environments for example um do we test this in primary care or in secondary care 
I mentioned that million, one million GP appointments. Um, and actually the answer to that is both. We want to do both. Um, uh, so there's a sort of, we, we, we just want to take, we want to, we want to attack this from all angles, I suppose, uh, and demonstrate that this is a product that can be used in a number of scenarios um, by a number of healthcare professionals. Um, and I suppose the, you know, the, the, the ideal scenario for us is that something that this is something that GPs can prescribe um, before people go to tinnitus therapy. And we hope that this will be able to reduce the burden on tinnitus therapists. Of course, if someone's got really horrendous tinnitus that is that, that they're really struggling with and it's having a considerable impact on their mental health, then yes, they probably do need to see a therapist. But if someone's got a bad tinnitus that's having, you know, a bit of a few problems, causing a few, causing them a few problems, um, and they haven't tried anything else yet, then I think Otto should always be the, the first point of call because, you know, it enables people to access these therapeutic techniques, the same therapeutic techniques that they would get when seeing a therapist. And I think by using Otto, we can greatly reduce the number of people or reduce the burden on secondary care. So we need to be able to demonstrate that in that scenario, it is effective. And, and, and just on that, I suppose one of the last points I want to make is that in, in Germany, where you can prescribe apps, one of the first, if not the first, was something for tinnitus, wasn't it? Yeah, so the, it was actually, uh, I can't remember exactly when the new regulations came in. Um, I think it was just over a year ago. But the, the, there's an app called Calmeda, which is... Uh, that's it, yeah. Uh, yeah, it's an app that's only available, a tinnitus therapeutic that's only available in Germany. And when you look back at the number of apps or the number of uh, times this has been prescribed, it was by far the most commonly prescribed app-based therapeutic for any condition, tinnitus. And to me, that is the clearest indicator that this is a huge market yeah. opportunity. Um, you know, the, 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 one of the first companies that, uh, the, one of the first countries that has enabled app-based app -based prescription of digital therapeutics, the top one was tinnitus. And, you know, to me, that is just, it's so clear that tinnitus is something that is just so open for change and something that something new does need to be done. And a digital therapeutic like Otto is, you know, is perfectly placed to be able to, to be able to influence that change. I love that, man. Final question for me before we wrap up, and this has been awesome, by the way, but my last question would be about the future of hearing care. And you might say that through digital therapeutics or through through other means. Is what you're doing amenable to other things in hearing? Yeah, that's a really interesting question. And I think absolutely. If you look at the way uh, hearing care, um, just for the listeners that aren't aware, hearing loss and tinnitus are two conditions that are very closely linked. And many people, perhaps 80% of people with, with tinnitus will also have hearing loss and vice versa. So... Yes, uh, the future of hearing care is with digital therapeutics um, for a number of reasons. If you think of the way hearing aids are currently prescribed or the way hearing aids are currently given, you'll go to the audiologist and you'll have an extra touch point with a healthcare professional and the audiologist will um, fit your ears, you'll do a hearing test and they'll, they'll fit you with a hearing aid. But we're seeing a new model now. We're seeing a model where you can do a hearing test online or do a hearing test on your phone and you can have a, a hearing aid recommended to you. You don't need to see anyone. And that's great because it greatly reduces the burden on 
audiologists on healthcare providers if people can you know can be remotely fitted for these things um, then that all fits in when you take into consideration tinnitus in addition to that uh, and you can treat tinnitus perhaps one of the actual treatments for tinnitus is a hearing aid if you have hearing loss as well then these things fall hand in hand and if you can measure people's hearing at the same times then you can greatly reduce the friction that customers will have when 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 engaging with audiologists or engaging with the, with their, with the hearing health professionals so i think that you know this is a, this is something that can be packaged all together in one um uh, you know a digital therapeutic alongside a hearing aid um auto alongside you know your 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 regular hearing assessment and you know if you it goes back to that biopsychosocial model doesn't it that you learn about at medical school you don't just treat individual conditions of patients you treat the patient as a whole and you put all the, all their conditions together and you treat them as a you know there's all these things that are interacting and if we can do that with hearing loss and tinnitus i think we can have a huge impact on people's lives um and yeah watch this space i suppose it's one of the things we're looking into i think um it's a really nice note to end on because i think from from the bits that you've said and you know as i say you know joined you guys on your advisory board um and you guys kindly made that offer you know it's that's something that stuck out for me with you guys which was that because your your clinicians and your founders that can count for or against by the way but you'd put together a team of experts around you you had expertise in house that you could build um you had the domain expertise yourselves both as clinicians and as patients but you put together the extra people around you that you thought could have loads of value so in terms of complementary skills in the team it was you know an absolute home run from from that perspective and i think what you mentioned there that treat the patient as a whole that biopsychosocial model because your clinicians by nature that's how you think it's how innately you're you are setting this company up we can see those pillars in what you're doing the way you the way you talk seamlessly about evidence like it is just something you're obviously doing you're considering other business models you're thinking about selling to nhs and b2c and, and doing those different reasons everything's very measured everything's looking at everything holistically and deciding the best approach which you seem to have done for both the patient and the business in general which is why i was keen to to help you guys basically um and see what i could do to help um and we'll see going forwards the different things that i can do for you but um as i say man like i'm super excited about what you're doing as you know um i'm i'm really keen to obviously keep following you staying in touch and, and helping you wherever i can um and for, i suppose for those that are listening that want to either download the app or get in touch with you what's the best way for them to do so yeah, please get in touch. I'd love to hear from anyone that's interested in talking about Otto. Uh, well, in fact, for that matter, anyone that has tinnitus, um, I'd love to offer it to anyone if anyone's interested in, interested in trying it for free. So the best way to contact me is either on LinkedIn, as Edmund Farah, uh, or you can email me, ed at joinotto.com. Perfect. Ed, it's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you so much. Thank you, James. It's been a pleasure and it's uh, great to have you with us on this journey. Thank you. Hey, everyone. Thanks for listening and making it all the way to the end of this episode. Remember to subscribe, rate us and leave a review and you can head to the description of this episode to follow me on all of my social media so you don't miss out on any of the latest health tech content.